Good afternoon, church. Good afternoon, guys. How are you today? We are so happy that you're here again. We uh, are getting ready to... I've had a lot of requests, and, and I've heard people. I looked at the comments, and, and then I sought the Lord about it, and he said, uh, continue to go back into the process of faith. You know, faith is a very important subject, and uh, many people uh, right now are learning about faith. And so I'm just excited to teach it. I love it. It's one of my favorite subjects because that's one of the things I learned is to uh, live by faith. I learned what faith is. And so, again, I'm just excited to teach it to you. And I hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and definitely by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, that it would mean something to you, that it would be able to enlighten you, encourage you, strengthen you. So, and without any further ado, let's just get ready to get in the Word of God. I am excited about it, and I hope you are excited about it. Let us bow our heads, Father. We honor you so much for the privilege and opportunity to come boldly to the throne of grace, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Father, I ask you right now that as your people that are tuned in, I ask you right now, Father, to anoint their ears, anoint them that they can hear spiritual truths, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I thank you for the grace, the grace that is in Christ Jesus that is going to be on the Word of God, and that their hearts will be overwhelmed by truth. And Lord, it will cause them to grow strong in the Lord and the power of your might. We take authority over the enemy. He's bound in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, we ask it all. Amen, amen, amen. Well, guys, again, like I said, we are going to go back into the process of faith. You know, how many of you know we're in our second week of, uh, of fasting? And... Uh, you had to use faith to fast. <laughs> How many of you believe that? Uh, yes, absolutely. So, today we're going to, I started last week. I'm going to touch a little bit on some of the foundation. I'm going to do my best not to park in a lot of the things that were said on last week because there is some new stuff, some fresh information that I would love to be able to uh, have the time to bring it to you. So, again, we're not going to stay too long on some of the parts, God willing, and we will see what God has to say about this process. You know, I started by saying that we've heard the terminology, uh, walk by faith. We've heard live by faith. And, again, I always like to bring this up in Habakkuk 2 and 4, and then Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.10, Hebrews 10.38. They all say, will say, the just shall live by faith. Well, who are the just? It's you and I. Those of you that have received the blood of Jesus, you've been justified in the Spirit by his sacrifice. Then the Bible says that we shall live by faith. Not that we have an option. Well, you do have an option, but that option is really no option. Uh, because without living by faith, it's hard to have a regenerated spirit trying to live in a fleshly atmosphere with fleshly uh, methods. Are you listening to what I'm saying? So here, we're going to simplify it again. 
for those that are beginners because everybody didn't get saved with Abraham. So we're going to simplify it for those. And for the seasoned believer, we're going to remind you. Paul said, I stir you up in these present truths, though you already know them. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and not just by having heard. So let us continue to go on. Now, as we talked about it before, we first need to understand that faith is a law. Faith is a law, just like the law of gravity, the law of inertia, uh, the law of relativity. Uh, there, there are laws. These laws operate continuously. Now, even the law of gravity, uh, while you sleep, the law of gravity is still working. We find that out when we get older that the law of gravity works because everything that used to be out, standing up strong as far as, and I know some of y'all, don't, don't do that. <laughs> I'm talking about like weight, physique. Over years, it falls. Gravity keeps pulling. I mean, you know what I'm saying. So, uh, the only way you can uh, uh, defeat these laws are to supersede them. That's how the law of lift supersedes the law of gravity and a plane will fly. Are you listening? So, it is a law. Now we have what is called the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. The letter of the law is in fact the literal translation of the law. It is what you see is what you get. Whatever the Bible says, it is the literal translation. But this is why the scribes and Pharisees always try to get Jesus uh, and trap him in his words because they came uh, from the standpoint of the literal translation and they have said, you know, Jesus, you have heard that it has been said that if you caught someone in, the, in adultery, you should stone them. What sayest thou? Jesus, coming from the spirit of the law, basically said, I tell you what, well, if any of you that are, are without sin, let you be the first one to cast the stone. The spirit of the law basically says you are harping on this person, you're being legalistic about this, but in fact, you too are guilty. The spirit of the law covers a bigger circumference than just the letter of the law. Now, you, you need them both. Are you listening? The letter of the law is literal translation, and the spirit of the law is principle and motive. Are you listening? The motive. Why do you do what you do? There are people right now, you're in church, why do you do what you do? Or why do you not do what you don't do? People, their motives. The Bible says that God tries to reins the motives of our heart. And everything that we do, we're supposed to do it as unto the Lord. So, make no mistake about it, if you are guilty of uh, just pulling back, drawing back, you're not drawing back from the church, that's a good excuse, that is a good smoke screen, but you're actually pulling back from God. He was the one that told you. He was the one that commissioned you. He was the one that called you before you were separated from your mother's womb. How are intense are you with godly things? Make no mistake about it. That entails your relationship with God who actually originated your call. He originated 
your mandate. He originated your purpose. Are you listening? And whatever you do, with great excitement or with no excitement, you are doing that as unto the Lord. Are you listening? Okay, now, the Bible says that the literal translation, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. The letter killeth because, you know, you can be legalistic. Uh, you know, I remember when I first uh, got saved, I was highly legalistic because I was learning the word of God. And I took the literal translation without the spirit. And when you do that, you can hurt people. When you do that, you can you you can you can always have people in condemnation because no one can keep the law perfectly. Are you listening? So uh, the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. Second Corinthians three and six. Um, so many people that follow the letter of the law but not the spirit of the law, they operate in the principles without the correct motive. I said this before. They operate in the principles. There are some people I know that will not give anything to anybody unless they get financially in trouble. And then they try to pull the principles of God out, bind God up, and then say, I gave, now I'm waiting on you to meet my rent at the end of the month. That's You're using the principles, but you don't have the correct motive. You are operating in the letter of the law. And some people... Uh, will not walk in forgiveness unless they feel like that is that something is detrimental to them. So we have to find out here is that are you operating in the literal translation? Are you operating in the letter of the law? Are you operating in the spirit of the law? You know, we always like to judge everyone else off their actions and then we judge ourselves off of our intentions. There are people right now who are upset and they're really not, they, they can't get along with anybody. And the reason why is because they're judging people by the letter. As though, The easiest way to walk in the spirit of the law is to look at your own faults in the mirror and know, I have tore up a lot of stuff. And I expected God, I asked him to forgive me. I asked him to let me continue to move on. And look at other people like that. Are you listening? I'm not telling you to be a fool for anybody, but I'm saying you still have to operate in the spirit of the law. Now let's continue to move on because we're talking about the process of faith. Faith does have a process. Are you listening? And within this process, it determines the measure or the strength of your faith. Now, if you're going to live by faith, faith is almost, to use it synonymously, it's almost like spiritual currency. The more faith you have, the more things you can move. Are you listening? Now, I understand about the Bible talking about faith, if you have faith as a grain of the mustard seed, but, you know, it's not only talking about his size, but it's talking about his character. The, the grain of a mustard seed, it grows and it grows and it, it, it ever increases. So we're not just talking about the size. A lot of people want to stop at the size because they don't intend to feed their faith. So 
They're basically saying, I got a little small faith. And faith that's small is still potent. However, there are certain things you need. Jesus said when they came to him over in, I think it's Mark, the ninth chapter, and they brought this, 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 this young man that was vexed of a spirit, and they, he asked the disciples, the, the father did, to cast out that spirit, and they couldn't cast him out. Jesus came, identified it was a stronghold because he said, how long has this been with him? He said, from birth. Jesus identified a stronghold. There are certain things in your life that you've been living with all your life. You've been mean all your life. You didn't just start getting mean. You have been uh, uh, the way you are. There are certain characteristics that you've dealt with all your life. And Jesus said it this way. This kind come not out but by fasting and prayer. That means for extreme measures you have to have extreme uh, uh, an extreme attack. You have to fast. You have to, and fasting, a lot of people look at it and say, okay, fasting increases power. But what it does is it increases your awareness of power. It increases the power that's on the inside of you because it quiets your flesh. And it will, like the fast that we're in right now, it will quiet your flesh. A lot of things will be revealed during the fast because before the fast, you know, Netflix, the spirit of Netflix is yelling at you. Are you listening? The spirit of pie, the spirit of pizza, the spirit of your favorite food is yelling and screaming at you. And you can't hear that still small voice. You can't hear that quiet direction. Are you listening? So, the strength of your faith is very important. And in order for your faith to be strong, you must feed your faith. Are you listening? The Bible says over in Acts 20 and 32, I commend you unto the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you your inheritance. If you use it in this analogy, such as a test line, many of you like to go fishing. You know, I, I never really cared for fishing. I like the fishes of men, but I never cared for fishing. You know, my dad took me out when I was little, and uh, he was really kind of serious on the fish, man. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I was bored, so I was throwing rocks and all, all kinds of stuff, and he would always say, boy, you're going to scare away the fish. And I was like, man, well, you know, leave me home. <laughs> so I grew up not really loving to go out to fish. So what I'm saying is, but those of you that know about fishing, you ever went out, you fish, you got that great big, you know, that's where the terminology came from, the one that got away. You had this great big fish, and I mean, you know, he was fighting, you were fighting. He was, he was working, you were working. And all of a sudden, you got him almost to the fish bank, and it popped your line. Your test line was too weak. Some of you almost pulled in that house you wanted and it popped your line. Some of you almost, you believe for that mate and it popped your line. Some of you almost believe for that automobile. You almost believe for that position, that career. You almost got it to the bank and it popped your line because your faith had suffered from weakness. You know, the Bible talks about the measure of faith. Jesus said, how is it that you have no faith? He said, oh, ye of little faith. 
He said, I marvel because of great faith. So there are different measures of faith. And if it's something that you are going to believe God for, you must, in fact, feed your faith. Okay? Let's continue to look at this. Um, go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 4. I want to share something with you that I believe is going to be a blessing. Uh, Romans chapter 4. And this particular instance is talking about uh, talking about Abram, right? And he he uh, the Bible says this was during the time that he was believing God for um, for for his his seed, and um, he was the Bible talks about the things that he was going through. Uh, the Bible says that like God who called those things to be not as though they were, he talked about Abram. Now. I, I want you to I want you to, to look at this and I'll go to verse uh, maybe I don't know if I want to start at verse let me go to verse 16 therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all seed. Not only to that which is of the law, but that which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 17 said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. Now here's very important scripture. Who against hope believed in hope. I always like to stop and pay a little attention to that. Against hope, he believed in hope. What is this talking about? There is a natural hope. A natural hope is filled with limitations. It is filled with the limitations of if you can't do it, it won't be done. Some things such as people that may not have reached the education level they wanted. Certain positions seems to be out of your reach because naturally speaking, they don't go together. You may be looking for, uh, looking at someone who literally looks like they're out of your league. Uh, however, the element of faith, who against hope, he believed in hope. The Bible says to be not moved, Colossians, from the hope of the gospel. The natural produces hope. The gospel produces hope. The gospel hope will supersede all natural hope. It will go far beyond what you are able to do in the natural. That's one thing that you need to know and you need to fill yourself up on the word of God even during this fast because there are some things you desire that is far beyond your own capabilities. It's far beyond uh, your education level. It's far beyond your financial means. Are you listening? I can tell you a lot about that. Uh, just things over the years my wife and I have believed God for. And the truth of the matter was is some things on paper was out of our league. But it was not out of the league of faith. So against hope, he believed in hope. And look, that he might become the father of many nations according to, listen, that which was spoken. Now we talked a little bit about that. We talked about, and I don't know how far I'm going to get into this, but I'm just going to let it flow out of my spirit. We talked about that when we said that there's a difference between Logos and Rhema. 
Rhema. Logos is the written word of God. It is the word of God that we can read. The word of God that we can uh, know God objectively. However, then the rhema is the spoken word of God. Where we can know God subjectively. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Rhema comes alive. Logos is on the paper. And the Bible says that what Abraham got was a rhema word. He got a word that he heard it was spoken by God, he would be the father of many nations. As long as it was on paper, as long as it was just down, he had information. Logos, for those of you that love to read, Logos will give you information. But you're going to have to do something with that information. That thing is going to have to come alive. And the Bible says in St. John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit. Remember, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. It is the Spirit that quickeneth or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The Lord Genesis said that anything that is alive has the ability to reproduce after its own kind. What does that mean? If you need finances, why are you reading healing scriptures? This word is an entity within itself. This word is a seed within itself. It is your job to go in the word of God. That's why it's called labor. Go in the word of God and find the promise that is, 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 is in line with what you need from God and build your faith on that. If you need wisdom, you don't need to be asking God for money because the Bible says that the prosperity of a fool will destroy him. So you can have all the money you want, but if you qualify as a fool, you'll be destroyed. You need wisdom. Wisdom will give you the ability to start operating right where you are with what you have and do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think. Wisdom. You need that. So this is what we need to do is go in the word of God that 66 books of seeds and begin to fill up on that. And then God will speak a rhema word. That rhema word belongs to you. Once you hear that rhema word, there is life. Too many people are filling up on logos and the Bible, and they, you get knowledge out of Logos. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. So you notice that when people, the more they know, the more arrogant and the more proud they become. I've seen this, and I know many other preachers have seen this too. You see people, you meet people, and when you first meet them, they are as, as humble as they can be. They are as, 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 as generous as they can be. They are as quiet as they can be. But the more they learn two scriptures, get two suits, and get two dollars, and after a while, uh, they start out at your feet, they end up at your throat. Because they become arrogant. It's like, I know two scriptures. Or I found one scripture that you don't know. And so all of a sudden, we are equals now. And so now, I don't have to listen to nothing you say. I don't have to believe nothing you say. But when they first meet you and they understand that they know nothing, and it's obvious that they don't know anything, 
they basically are humble and they'll say, whatever you say, let's just, I'm, I want to follow God. I just want to do whatever God wants me to do. But after a while, so knowledge alone will puff you up. It will make you arrogant. It will make you proud. And it will make you self-oriented. Uh, uh, you will only follow what you feel or believe, but you will not allow God to teach you. I'm telling you, if I can tell you anything right now, remain teachable. Remain teachable. Are you listening? Because no matter how much you know, there is a plethora of information that you don't know still. Are you listening? So, let me go on. The Bible says in verse 19, And being not weak in faith, did you get that? Being not weak in faith. Well, if he wasn't weak in faith, then he was strong in faith. Are you listening? So, uh, the antonym to weak in faith would be strong in faith. So, why wasn't he weak in faith? As I was reading this, and I was like, Lord, just speak to me. Why wasn't he weak in faith? It seems like it was just uh, it, it, it's self-explanatory. And it is to a certain degree. Why wasn't he not weak? I mean, why wasn't he weak in faith? Not weak in faith. Why, the Bible says, because he considered not his own body now dead. And when he was about 100 years old, neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, listen to me, guys. You're going to get a nugget out of this that may help you the rest of your life if you just receive the engrafted word. The way to get strong in faith is not to consider your current circumstances. I did not say not to be knowledgeable of them. I did not say not to to ponder these things, what I said was, relevant to faith, don't consider your natural circumstances if you want to operate and walk in a hope that is higher than natural hope. In other words, how much do you make on your job has nothing to do with whether you become blessed or wealthy. Are you listening? No matter what side of the tracks you were born on, no matter who you are married to, none of that has anything in the world to do ultimately to where you are that you exceed your own abilities. Abram did not consider that he was old. He didn't consider Sarah's womb was dead. But what he did consider was the promise that God gave him. He kept his eyes on the promise, and the promise was more uh, 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 alive to him than his current circumstances. We get in trouble when we sit around and take inventory of sometimes the junk that's in our life. Are you listening? So many people are taking inventory of their failures. They're taking inventory of their disadvantages. They're taking inventory of their past. They're taking inventory of how they were raised. They're taking inventory of the family that they're in. Too many people are sitting around considering those things which will ultimately cause you to be weak in faith. 
Those things pull on you. Are you listening to me? You know, you have to have a short memory to a certain degree. This is what Paul said. Paul used to go around and, 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 and have Christians put in prison, have them beaten, all these other things. But then he had the spiritual audacity to say, pray for us, for we have wronged no man. What he was basically saying was, Saul of Tarshish tore the place up. But Paul did none of those things. I am not the same person I used to be. I don't do the same things. No need in you trying to pin me to all the offenses that went on in my past because I'm not him. If you got a grievance, I'm sorry, because that guy is dead. You have to look at your past as being dead. You don't need to consult your past to find out what your future looks like. I can tell you when you consult your past, your future looks just like your past. Are you listening? Guys, please listen to what I'm saying. I'm telling you right now. You got to have a short memory when it comes to that. You have to come to a place where you're like, Lord, I know what you're saying to me. I know I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. You are not rebuilt out of old parts. You are a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, look and see, all things are become new. Verse 18 starts out by saying, and all things are of God. So what you have to understand is, is that you are a new creation in Christ. See, when you was a believer, an unbeliever, you had a sin nature. Now that you're born again, you only retain a sin conscience. That's why the Bible tells you, renew your mind, Romans 12 and 2. Renew it. Renew it. Put in new information so you can think differently. Proverbs 23 and 7, as a man so, therefore thinking in his heart. That's, that's, so is he. How you think has a lot to do. That's why 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, weapons denote that there is a war going on. The weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's a mind thing. The battlefield is in the mind, and you can never live above your mental capacity. It doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter how your spirit has been recreated, but if you think with a poverty mentality, if you think with an old sin conscience, you know, people say it all the time, and I know what they mean, but it's not accurate to say it. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Hey, don't get mad with me because you're either an old sinner or you've been saved by grace. You, you're not both of them. But now, if you want to hold on to that, then so be it. But everyone is not an old sinner saved by grace. You was an old sinner. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you are saved by grace. So if you're saved by grace, you don't have a sin nature anymore. Does that mean that you don't sin? 
you will sin as long as this thing right here is not renewed. And the more you renew it, the less you will sin. But it's by faith. Are you listening? Are you listening? Let me stay on task here. The Bible says that he considered not his own body. And then listen to this. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. Let me tell you something. Unbelief will cause you to stagger. Stagger denotes your walk. You ever seen a drunk before? You ever been a drunk before? <laughs> you staggered. You didn't think you were staggering, especially when they poured you over and you had to take that breathalyzer and you was, had to walk that line. You know, you start walking and you tipped over and you looked at the office and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like he's going to give you about four or five do-overs till you get it right. <laughs> you staggered. You staggered because you had an imbalance. Are you listening? That's what happens when you are when, when you are walking in unbelief, when you're walking in unbelief, you stagger. Listen, to he, he staggered not. Staggered is associated with your walk. And it means that you're unsteady, you're unsure, you're uncertain. And according to James, the Bible says, uh, chapter 5, the Bible says that if any uh, man like wisdom, let him ask of God who give it to all men liberally and upbraided not, it shall be given. Listen to this. But let him ask in faith. Faith has a lot to do with clearing up your uncertainty, clearing up your, your, your disposition, clearing up your spiritual walk. And it says, let him ask in faith and nothing wavering. For he that wavers or he that staggered is like the waves of the sea, driven with the wind. You are driven by external things, the wind, the way your finances look, the, the people that you work with, family members. You're, 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 you're tossed to and fro. Are you listening? And listen to what the Bible says. A double-minded double man, a man that staggers in his walk is unstable in all his ways. You know that going back to the sobriety test. If you can't walk straight, you can't drive straight. You can't see straight. You won't arrive straight. Are you listening? It has a lot. The way you walk has a lot to do with the rest of your faculties. And if you're walking in unbelief, you, it's hard for you to walk in faith. So, the Bible says that Abraham, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. But the Bible says, uh, and, 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 and I like this, he said that, uh, but he was strong in faith. He was strong in faith, giving glory unto God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. I said this one time before, and I'll say it again. I know Mark 11 and verse 23 says that if you shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt, but believe whatsoever things you say shall come to pass. You can have what you say. Verse 24 says, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray. 
Whatsoever things you desire, win. We always like to pray and then hope it'll catch up with us. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't work that way. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray. That means you must be fully persuaded when you pray. Then you believe that you receive them and you shall have them when you're fully persuaded. Abram was fully persuaded what God had promised. He was also able to perform it. How do you get fully persuaded? You must meditate the word of God. Meditate the word of God. Meditate the word of God until you buy into it. You have to buy into it. Meditation is so, so essential to strong faith. The Bible says in Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, do it he meditate, do it he meditate, do it he meditate, day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth, Whatsoever he do it, whatsoever he do it, shall prosper. Joshua 1 and 8, let not the book of this law depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then shall thou make thy way prosperous, make thy way prosperous, make thy way prosperous, and then shall you have good success. Another translation says, you will deal wisely with all the affairs of this life. It comes by meditating. Psalm 19 and 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The woman that had the issue of blood, she had gotten broke. She had been uh, 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 scammed by all the doctors. They couldn't do her any good. She got worse and worse and worse. But listen to what the Bible says. The day she heard that Jesus was coming by, she had said within herself, she was meditating. She was fully persuaded that if I leave out of this house, I'm willing to bet my very life that if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I'm telling you guys, we are doing it backwards. You got to first be persuaded before even when you pray. So you believe when you pray. Oh, man. God. Jesus, help me. Help me. The Bible says that he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform it. And it says that, and therefore it was imputed unto him as right standing with God because he operated like that. And the Bible says, and now it was written for, not for his sake alone, it says, but for us, verse 24, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him to raise Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said that he, it, also us, we are just like that. Listen to me. There's a difference. You got to be fully persuaded. That means you must be convinced. Many times we pray, we're not convinced. Many times we pray because it's protocol. Many times we pray because it is what we're supposed to do. But we are not convinced. When you're convinced, there's a difference between believing something and being fully persuaded. What you believe changes with greater evidence. Uh, you better put that one down. What you believe changes with greater evidence. 
What does that mean? You might believe this now, but if you see something looking a little bit stronger, then you'll change what you believe. That's why people waver. However, when you are fully persuaded, you will no longer accept evidence. Why? Because you consider not the evidence, but the word of God. Oh, man. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. You know what? This thing is coming down to the end. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, this is how you get faith. We said this before. So then, faith cometh by hearing. The spoken word is of the Spirit. Because these words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They, it, logos becomes rhema. It becomes alive. It has power to produce when it's the spoken word. When you speak the word, it gives life. Now, according to Proverbs uh, uh, um, 18 and 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You speak the wrong thing, you can license death to your life. Be careful about saying things, especially when you get frustrated, especially when you get under pressure. Be careful what you say, because that's no longer coming out of your head, it's coming out of your spirit. And that's, the Bible says in Mark 7, uh, around verse 15, it's not that that goes in a man that defiles him, but what cometh out of him, because it entereth not into his heart. But out of the drought purging all meats, what it's saying is it bypassed your heart. Now, let me close this. I got to close it. I got to close it. So, by hearing the living word, the word that's logos, you, it's always good because logos and rhema both are the word of God. But, you know, and there's a place for it. You read the word of God, you learn more about God, but then this thing has to be brought to life. Are you listening? Even the word is alive, but for you, it to produce in your life, it's got to be planted. Jesus said, a seed is set to die and be planted. It abideth alone. It has to be planted. St. John chapter 1 says in, in verse 1, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Same that was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. All things were made by him because God spoke it in Genesis. He said, let there be light. Let there be this. Let there be that. Ten times he spoke it in Genesis 1. He spoke it, it became alive. Are you listening? Then the Bible says in St. John 1 and 14, and the word was made flesh. The word became flesh. The word that is on the paper has to become. And it becomes when you speak it. Otherwise, it'll just be information. Um, I got to quit. I got to quit. Guys, I hope you got something out of that. I could go on. I could go on and I could go on. Nah, some of y'all saying, go ahead. Some, and some of you saying, man, shoot. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to stop because my time is up. I love you. And I want you to grow. Jesus said, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. I never forgot that. My greatest responsibility is to feed his sheep. So I'm telling you right now, guys, stay close. I want you to continue to look at our Facebook page. I'm going to come to a place where I just begin to open up 
uh, the doors of our church. There are some of you that are, uh, are, are sitting on the side saying, I would love for this to be my church. I would love not to just visit. I want to be a part of what, what's going on. I want to sit under that umbrella. I want to sit under the spirit of this word. We're going to be doing that. If, if, if Before we put this stuff out there, if that's where you are, hey, send us send us an email. Let us know. We're not going to, we, we want to bring you into the fold. Amen. Uh, support the ministry. Pray. Give. Amen. Praise God. So, without any further ado, we're going to have to close this. I've gone over my time, but... Whatever you do, whenever you do it, however you do it, don't do it with weak faith. Have strong faith. So then by having strong faith, you can keep it real.